So I wanted a little bit um, continue with what I've spoken about yesterday. And when we took the, the precepts, I spoke a little bit about the refuges and also about the precepts and, um, you know, the, the recitation of the refuges is, is the oldest recitation in, in, the, in the Buddhist um, teachings. So it's a very, very basic, um, you know, entrance into the practice to become aware that there's a possibility there. And, you know, in the beginning, we get mostly inspired by meeting somebody, you know, who expresses, uh, you know, a, uh, an understanding of, of life or a, a certain equanimity, maybe, or a certain kind of depths of being, which can be, you know, very deep um, impulse because it kind of reflects back our own potential to you know, realize the same, at least at how it was for me when I met my first teacher many years ago in 1988 in Thailand, Ajahn Dasa. I had such an experience, you know, when I saw him, I just felt that there is a path immediately, just with him, he hasn't said anything, but just how he sat there. It was very clearly there's a path there and I can take it to just not knowing how long it's going to take, but there was that certainty there. And it resonated, you know, with my own, the own nature of my, of my mind. His was already very, you know, laid open and was just very out there, whereas mine was still kind of very deep hidden inside. And since then, you know, my path has been unfolding. He, he kind of kicked me off, so to say, you know. He turned the switch. By just being there, I think he, he wouldn't know that's what happened. But I think he has done that for many people. And there's you know, many teachers who can do that to a certain extent. Or sometimes even just reading something. Or you know, seeing a, a photo of somebody or a footage of somebody on YouTube maybe. And also you know, meeting a tradition. This is all different ways you know, how we can get you know, inspired from something which is outside of ourselves. And then if we really respond to that impulse, you know, it always kind of leads us back to our own experience because those people, they can't really do the job for us and we have to do it ourselves. And because they obviously have done it very beautifully and very, you know, steady, they can... Uh, you know, inspire us and give us that faith, you know, that this can be done, this is something which we can also do. And then, you know, taking the refugees in this formal way is like a, a support for us, you know, to, to be witnessed by making this commitment, you know, together with other people. And it's, you know, it's a certain formula which is shared, you know, by millions of people over the planet in many, many countries. In, you know, in Tibetan, in Thai, in, in many, many different languages. And we can join into that stream by, you know, doing the same thing. And then when the going gets tough, you know, we can just remember we are, you know, belonging to this group of people who have taken refuge and who are going this very ancient path. And... You know, we don't have to invent the wheel ourselves. We can just, uh, you know, benefit from that 
you know, mode of uh, organizing our practice, which is is quite ancient, you know, over two thousand five hundred years old, and it has it has a power to it. Otherwise, it wouldn't have survived for so long. Because if something doesn't have a function, it's just gonna die or transform and become something else. But this this formula is very old. It's very simple, and it has served lots of people. You know, monastics and and lay people alike. It's the like the basic for all sets of precepts. You know, five precepts, eight precepts, ten precepts. And in our case, over 300 precepts. And, you know, on those 300, over 300 precepts, they are just like in an elaboration on the five precepts, you could say. So we all share those, you know. That's the core of the practice of uh, ethics, or yesterday, as I called it, integrity, really, you know, expressing one's, you know, wish to be fully aligned with not harming, which is, you know, one of the uh, expressions of somebody who has realized interconnectedness, who has realized not-self, knowing, you know, that if you harm others, you harm yourself. It's always going to come back to you. And then, you know, you have, if you kind of practice in according with that understanding, then slowly but surely, you know, you are creating the causes and conditions for inside to deepen and obstacles kind of starting to fall away and, and the practice you know starts to get more um, energized it's like a you know a spiral where we revisit you know the same areas again and again but it's getting deeper and then you know the refuge is not anymore outside in any particular you know, institution or tradition or person, but it, it's it's the understanding of that the true refuge lies in the purification of our own minds. Because you know, whatever we experience is just a reflection of our own minds. And so you know, so and you know, so. A change of our own experience it depends on uh, purifying our own minds, and therefore it's always you know they're saying the true you know the path is inside. It 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 it's what you are seeking is already inside here, but it's it's clouded over by what in the teaching it's called like by adventitious arisings and ceasings and you know through the practice we learn to be able to hold more steady with those arisings and ceasings and not being so much you know carried away you know you know cultivating that ability to just stay with the experience and uh, allow it to do its thing without becoming it. That's really, you know, like the essence of, of, of the cultivation which we are now, you know, endeavoring to to practice over those seven, eight days. And yet in order to be able to do this, because it's not a kind of a complicated 
system which we have to learn. It's actually quite simple. Even so many books have been written about it because, you know, there's so many different angles you can look at it. But the essence is very simple. It's about, you know, letting go and not kind of getting carried into identification with those arisings and ceasings. And, you know, when I met my first teacher, when I saw him sitting there, he, even I didn't know, you know, what the essence of the practice was, because I had, I had no uh, understanding of Buddhism or anything. But his presence, now in hindsight, I can really see what, what so much attracted me to his presence was that he communicated that uh, unshakability of the heart, you know, this steadiness, which I so much didn't have and still, you know, not have all the time available for myself. But it has it has has gotten much better since you know nineteen eighty eight. But there's still a lot to do, or not to do rather. <laughs> and you know, and and the, the crux you know of being able to to live like, for example, this one teacher would be you know to to develop a, a tolerance for unpleasant feeling. I think that's really the essence of it, and this is why it's so difficult, because this is um, something we have to train ourselves in, and it's not like a common, you know, thing which is taught in our culture, which is all about, you know, trying to make yourself as comfortable as possible. And, you know, doing a lot of consuming and, uh, you know, we are slowly you know, hitting the wall now with climate change. So big changes are necessary, you know, for us to be able to keep on staying on this planet, really. And it, the essence of it is really tolerance of unpleasant feeling is very simple. And, you know, Ayananda Bodhi said yesterday that Buddha praised renunciation a lot. Uh, and, and that's one way, you know, of how we can say what's, what, what it means, you know, to be with unpleasant feeling is renouncing to constantly have to have it comfortable on so many levels. And that this is, is not a loss, but this is like really a gain in terms of uh, independence, you know, from, from circumstances. And uh, you know, strength of heart, and uh, you know, faith that if we kind of look here, rather than constantly you know arranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, that this is actually the way out. And I remember we have a lovely, no, not lovely, but a very wise uh, quote of Arjun Pasano hanging in our office on the wall. And something, it says something like that, you know, if you can't get away from it, get into it. Or Bhante Gunaratana saying, you know, uh, escaping into reality rather than from it. Or Venerable Pema Children saying, you know, the wisdom of no escape. There's so many different ways how that can be expressed. 
you know, saying that the, the true refuge is not running away to a safe place outside of yourself. But it, it's just going into the mess, you know, inside and clearing it through awareness and, uh, you know, willingness to be with it. And then, you know, the clouds are lifting from time to time and then there's just that spacious openness and then sometimes the clouds come over it again and to just be with that constant change. That's where, you know, the direction of the practice is and has always been. And, you know, taking the refugees is, is a like a formal way of, of uh, acknowledging that. You know, taking refuge in Dhamma is like taking refuge in, the, in your experience rather than in your stories about your experience. Because we all have the tendency, you know, to just project a lot of our past onto our present experience and then, you know, repeating that same thing endlessly until you know we are ready to let go and you know that and that letting go is not like a forced process but it it is the result of paying attention you know at one point we get fed up with it at one point we see very clearly no this doesn't this doesn't serve me even you know it feels like it would but actually if you go through the whole cycle you know, of all of the repercussions, if you are kind of enacting a certain pattern, even there's a momentary release, you know, if you're going down the same track, because it energetically, it's such a deep groove that it feels right for a moment. But then afterwards, you know, if you stay with the repercussions of it, and so on and so forth, you see, no, actually, it isn't, it doesn't serve me. And there's a very striking um, parable in, in the Buddha's teaching where he compares, for example, you know, acting on anger. He compares it, if you have an arrow and the, the, the tip of the arrow has a little bit of honey on it, you know. So first there's a certain sweetness there, you know, I'm right. But then the arrow, it's painful, you know. And compared, you know, this little bit of honey on the tip and the pain of the wound, I mean, it's no... There's no, it's not, it's just, it's stupid, you know, really. Hurting oneself so much, you know, just for that little hit in the beginning. So just, you know, reflecting on that can be very uh, useful to bring that home, you know, that uh, refuge of uh, Dhamma, that it is in the truth of our experience rather than in the stories about it. And that encapsulates the whole teaching, that very simple truth. But because it is, you know, it's so simple and it's so all-pervasive, in order to really bring that home into our own practice, to really make it deep enough so that it's available when we are really stirred up, we, have to, we need a lot of cultivation, you know, a lot of exercise, a lot of training. And, you know, this week together is just like another opportunity where we can really dedicate ourselves fully and be very little distracted by 
responsibilities. We just have your yoga job and your sangha service and not much. So we can really fully pay attention. And you know, also not forgetting whatever is happening, there's always only six things happening. Like what's happening at the six sense doors. Eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body and mind. Nothing else is happening. So it's not that much. And there's that which knows, you know, the happenings at those six sense doors. And now, you know, in this retreat we can just maybe you know, look look at experience in that way rather than getting so caught up in the stories. Just rather seeing, you know, which of the sense doors is like uh, dominant at the moment. Probably the mind door. Or if you have a lot of pain in the body, maybe the body feelings, the, you know, the, sen- the sensation of the body. There's all of those different ways of uh, as looking at experience, but this one is a very simple one. And then, you know, when we go down to lunch, maybe the nose is going to, you know, give you a very strong experience. And then later the tasting. And then just seeing, you know, how that is constant, a constant play of different, you know, information coming in through different doors. And they, what they have all in common is that this, they are impermanent. And during a retreat like this, we can really, you know, see that much more easily, I think, because we are not so overwhelmed by details. You know, then more and more seeing that there's nobody behind those six different things which are arising and ceasing. This is just like nature doing its thing. And, and we are part of it. So that the real refuge is in the purification of our minds. And even though know, we're here in a kind of a refuge in a sanctuary of the you know inside retreat center. You know, it can give us that holding to, to just much deeper and fuller connect with that refuge inside of ourselves. And we do that, you know, for our own benefit and, and for the benefit of all sentient beings. Because, you know, the more of us are doing this work, 
the better it is for everybody. So just leave you with these few words and we sit now another 15 minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.